Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome to the rest stop. It's Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021. We're live here in Las Vegas and we broadcast to you every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 to 10 o'clock Pacific time. I'm Brad Restituto. Follow me on Twitter at Brad the Believer. Spencer Ostrowski, Spencer the Wiz. You can follow him on Twitter and I want to give a shout out to Spence and thank him for filling in for me this last week as I was in North Carolina for a couple days on a little vacation. Had a great time, made it back safely and here with you on the rest stop again. Got a really good show tonight. It's going to be heavy with our conversation with Ken Thompson, host of Sports X Radio. You can check him out Monday through Friday on AM 720, 8 to 10 Pacific Time, and any of the broadcasting podcasting platforms to stream his show live as well. And we'll finish up the show tonight talking a little NBA and going over some highlights tonight. But a good conversation with Ken as he is very knowledgeable in college hoops and NFL. So we had a great conversation with him. And without further ado, we'll get to that conversation today. Earlier today, I got I had a chance to catch up with Ken Thompson. Our next guest on the rest stop, this guy's a close personal friend of mine, uh, actually my mentor in the radio industry, the first guy I did sports radio with in Las Vegas. He's had a great show for many years, SportsX Radio. You can find it locally in Las Vegas on AM 720 KDWN from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Pacific time, Monday through Friday. Also, SportsXRadio.com. And you can find some of his great picks. He's been on fire in the NCAA tournament against the numbers, the place to find it. On Twitter, you can also search him at Ken Thompson, no P87, Ken Thompson 87. And without further ado, 
the fantastic encyclopedia knowledge, Ken Thompson. KT, thanks for a little time, man. I love the Raiders setup you got in the background there. That's pretty fire, my man. Yeah, I got to have it, man. I mean, doing a, uh, a Raider podcast, well, it's uh, kind of like a little cast on Apple News with Fan Media Network and have three super fans, including the violator, Wayne Mabry, who just went into the Fans Hall of Fame. And uh, he'll actually be inducted in Canton just uh, the same time when Coach Flores and uh, Wilson will be going in for the silver and black. Peyton Manning, of course, for the Colts. Uh, looking forward to that. I'll be there in Canton in August. Uh, but Brad Restituto, I am a proud man knowing that you have of your life and that's sports talk radio. Uh, I was worried about you maybe giving it up, but you didn't. You stuck with it. The Rest Stop is a great name for our show. And uh, uh, congratulations, my man. Way to stick with it. Because uh, all good things come to those that uh, continue to forge forward, my man. I'm, I'm very proud of you. KT, I appreciate it, man. Forever will be ever bonded. And uh, I can't thank you enough uh, for the role you played and where we're at right now with the rest stop. And I'm excited to talk some college hoops. That's your forte. Little UNLV basketball and then some NFL free agency. My, my co-host and producer, Spencer the Wiz, Spencer Ostrowski, he's a diehard Raiders fan. But he definitely is a Raiders pessimist. So I'm excited for him to jump on when we talk Raiders football because it's going to be an interesting contrast to see what your thoughts and his thoughts are on what the Raiders have done in free agency and general manager Mike Mayock. So we'll hit that here in a little bit. But first, KT, UNLV here locally, they decided to pull the trigger pretty quickly after TJ Altelberger only lasted two seasons with the Rebels. He took the head coaching position at Iowa State. Uh, Desiree Reed-Francois decided to go in-house with Kevin Kruger. KT, I know you're close with the Kruger family, and they've got a great reputation here in Las Vegas. If you could give us a little bit of the pros and cons of this hire for UNLV basketball. Okay, first off, uh, you know, Otzelberger, you know, people are wondering why Iowa State would make that hire. He did a pretty good job there at South Dakota State, taking the reins from Scott Nagy and had a team that averaged better than 41.5% from behind the arc. That'll get it done. As you see Oral Roberts from that Summit Conference enter into the 16, and they pay a nice brand there. He was trying to bring that same style out to use formula. You have to have the right pieces uh, with the COVID-19 and everything coming into play. It kind of disrupted a lot of things that he was trying to do. And you got to give somebody a few years to get the type of player they want. As, uh, of course, as they come in, going to be those players that are left over, that are on scholarship, that want to remain. And I don't think several of those players that were at UNLV really fit his system. So I gave him a mulligan on this year. And I understand why he took the job at Iowa State. His wife was the best player, I think, maybe Iowa State basketball history. So she has ties there as well. And so they just felt that it's more conducive to their lifestyle. And a good contract. And going into the Big 12 is uh, a step up for sure. There's a lot of people in the past. This is not 1990, 1991. You know, you're not having those guys like Larry Judd and Anderson Hunt and you know, Know, and uh, uh, Stacey Augman, uh, you know, those guys coming into the door anytime soon. And everybody has kind of moved forward as far as in the mountain. Somebody has kind of been stuck in neutral the last years. I love Kruger. I understand he doesn't have head coaching experience, but he has a lot of experience, not only growing up under Lon Kruger, who's already taken five teams to the NCAA tournament in a 37-year uh, incredible coaching career. And, you know, tough loss yesterday 
for Oklahoma, shorthanded, uh, missing Davion Harmon, one of their starters, but still took Gonzaga to a, you know, a tougher game than the Zags have had pretty much through the season because they're playing out of the WCC and outside of BYU, there's not really any competition inside that conference. So, uh, you know, Kevin Kruger played at Arizona State, transferred to play for his dad, his final season there at UNLV. He knows the lay of the land. He knows Vegas. He was an assistant coach on T.J. Otzelberger's staff here in Vegas. He and his wife reside here with their daughter. So he he likes it here. He li- in fact, he loves it here. So for him to take that job, it's a five-year deal for $3.85 million, which is good for UNLV budget-wise. Uh, they're going to get money, of course, from Iowa State with the buyout of Otzelberger. And, you know, they're going to have somebody that's got to prove themselves at, you know, the novice level, so to speak, because he doesn't have that head coaching experience. But the assistant coaching experience he has has been at a very high level including for his for several years but when you grow up and every day is coaching experience basically growing up in the household of Lon Kruger you know you're learning and I think it's a great hire I think Kevin's going to do a heck of a job he's going to get a good solid staff with him and I think UNLV should be excited about the hire I understand you want somebody you want to be but they don't have the money or at least they they haven't put forth the money to grab somebody like a Rick Pitino or somebody else like that. Kevin has a squeaky clean reputation. He's got a, you know, he hasn't been in any type of trouble. You bring somebody like a Rick Pitino in, you have all that baggage, so you have to worry about that. But I like the hire, and I think UNLV is going to be fine. Just give the kid ears, and I guarantee he proves that he is the right hire for the Rebels. KT, let's uh, let's talk some college hoops now. Sweet 16. We've got 16 teams left, and we've got four from the Pac-12. The Pac-12 hasn't represented itself in the tournament this well in quite some time. So first, let me get your thoughts on the Pac-12 and then your USC squad. We just talked about Kevin Kruger and the time frame for him to get adjusted to UNLV. Andy Enfield is now in his fifth year with USC, and now they're in the Sweet 16. So talk about the Pac-12 and the showing they've given so far in the NCAA tournament. Actually, uh, he's uh, just finished up. He finished. This is actually his eighth year. It's hard to believe that oh, long. Wow. I was way off. Gulf Coast. Yeah. No, yeah. He's actually uh, in his eighth year now. But when anytime you have a player like Evan Mobley, you get a chance to compete. And his brother Isaiah is there as well. Uh, they're the top two rebounders. There's a lot of chemistry between the brothers. Isaiah shoots it very well behind the arc. Uh, better than 46%. So that's huge. Uh, Evan just long. He's got that length. And it's probably the one team that Oregon did not want to have to run into before they get a crack at Gonzaga. Because USC is a team that gives Oregon trouble because of their length. And if Oregon is not hitting their three-point shots like they did against Iowa yesterday, they're going to be in a lot of trouble because they're not going to get many second-shot opportunities and USC has the speed and also has the shooters themselves to hang with the Ducks. That's why USC is currently a two-and-a-half-point favorite in that rematch uh, from the regular season. So uh, I think the Pac-12 is well-represented, and UCLA getting three wins. I mean, when you look at two of the things that went on as far as for the Pac-12 to have five representatives into the big dance, number one, UCLA in the Pac-12 tournament is beating Oregon State by 16 points in the second half of that matchup. If Oregon State does not come back and win that game, then beat Oregon and beat Colorado, the Beavers are not there. UCLA, because of the loss, 
and Oregon State stealing a bid gets in only into the play-in game. In the game against Michigan State, they trail by 14 points, 11 at halftime, come back, beats Sparty, and subsequently win two more games to punch their ticket to the Sweet 16. So the Pac-12 doing an outstanding job outside of the uh, faux pas from yesterday, Colorado in the second half just let things get away, and Florida State dominated them in the last 12 minutes. So that's the only blemish for the Pac-12. But this couldn't have come at a better time for the conference as a whole, who had really been declining as far as football. They're not able to get into the playoff. As far as college basketball, they've had trouble advancing anybody in the last couple of NCAA tournaments. So this tournament, you know, sitting at one or whatever they are, uh, is, is truly remarkable and has put the Pac-12 back on the map in the basketball world. KT, there's four double-digit seeds left out of the 16. You've got Syracuse, UCLA, Oregon State, and Oral Roberts. Ken, if you were to give me one of the double-digit seeds left that's got the best chance to make the Final Four, who would you go with? Wow, that's tough. Uh, right away, it would be Syracuse, just based on Jim Beheim's experience and also Jim Beheim's zone that gives teams fits. Uh, the team that I think has an excellent opportunity to continue on is Oral Roberts. They've wow. got a point guard in Max Samus and uh, Kevin O'Banner because they shoot it so well. This is a team that shoots just under 39% from behind the arc collectively, and they shoot better than 82% as a team from the charity stripe. So they have a point guard in Amos that breaks down defenses. He's got incredible range, so he's not just a point guard. He's a point guard that can knock down the three. And if you get up on him and in his face, he's going to blow by you, and he'll also find the open guy, and they've got several shooters that can knock it down. So they're a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams. Arkansas, a team that likes the tempo themselves, could be the perfect matchup for Oral Roberts if they're able to knock down their shots. They still have to do that. If they do that, they shoot it better than Arkansas. They don't have the athleticism, but at the end of the day, they have an opportunity to knock off the Razorbacks. But if you gave me the one opportunity from a double-digit seed to get to the Final Four, it would be Jim Beheim, just because of his experience and his son, Buddy Beheim, shoots the ball pretty darn well. And there's a couple other key cogs with the orange that give them an opportunity to pull off the miracle when this was a team that a lot of people thought would not even get an invitation to the big dance. They too had to play in and did a nice job. KT, let's talk a little bit more about those two teams you highlighted. This 15th seeded Golden Eagle squad of Oral Roberts, 18 and 10, fourth in the Summit Conference. You talked a little bit about Summit Conference basketball. This is incredible that this team's even playing in the Sweet 16. What was the transition that they made from your perspective in the regular season and now catching a little bit of wind here in the NCAA tournament, playing for a berth in the Elite Eight this coming weekend? All right, here's the thing with uh, Paul's uh, outstanding there and Roberts. This team, when you take the four teams that made the semifinals in the Summit League, South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, South Dakota, the Coyotes, they're not the Coyotes, they're pronounced Coyotes, and then North Dakota State, the Bison. Not Bison, but Bison. They have their pronunciations over there. But if you took those four teams and they played 100 times collectively between the four of them, they'd all win 25. That's how close the Summit League was. And when you saw those two semifinal games, they were absolutely unbelievable. 
And then even the final game goes down to the last seconds. So those four teams, you could flip a coin. But I think Paul Mills and Oral Roberts would be the thing that best represents the Summit League because of their point guard and shooter and Max Amos. This kid scores 25 points a game, shoots 90% from the charity stripe, 4% behind New York. He's very special. And O'Banner, another guy that can shoot 7% behind the arc and 87% from the charity stripe. So, again, when you get a team that can shoot it at the percentages, both from downtown and also from that free throw line that Paul Mills Golden Eagle squad can do, you're in trouble. I mean, because they can knock down shots more regularly than that. Than, than your team and you see a lot of times teams out of the gate have a lot of trouble getting on track trying to hit those first few shots so they can get into a flow oral roberts doesn't have that problem they have too many shooters that are assassins that are sharpshooters that are going to be able to knock on shots and that's why they've been able to come back even like they did the other night down 11 second half inside the final t- 10 minutes they come back not only to tie but to win that game outright ken thompson joining us you can catch him monday through friday 8 p.m to 10 p.m pacific time sports x radio locally in las vegas am 720 kdwn kt i want to briefly ask you about the Syrac- syracuse squad you mentioned buddy Bayheim. I want to ask you what your thoughts are on him as a pro prospect. And correct me if I'm wrong. Is this a lazy comparison? Mike Dom from South Dakota, a guy that didn't get a sniff in the NBA. Uh, give me a better comparison of Buddy Bayheim and tell me what his shot is of going to the next level and making an impact. Oh, boy. Uh, because he's got an opportunity uh, day in, day out, like we talked about Kruger to learn the game since he's a little kid, since he's a ball boy for the Orange, a kid that used to cry and lose games. I mean, it's in his blood. And this guy, he'll make it. I I truly think he'll make it. He may not be a starter, but look, a lot of people thought Tyler Hero may not make it. What is Tyler Hero? He's a thin guy, but he can knock the ball down, you know, the shots down from, from 25 feet. In this day and age, Brad, you know the big man, basically out of the game for the most part. I mean, there'll be some teams that'll have a big guy, but you're starting to see big guys that are expendable and teams are going small ball. They'll play six, seven and smaller. And if you have someone that's got length like Bayheim and also has incredible range, remember, he's not shooting from 21 feet. This kid can shoot from 26, 27 feet mm. and he And he can do it regularly. He just chooses to stay with inside of not shooting it too far away because he doesn't have to. And he doesn't want to get in the old man's uh, doghouse, so to speak. But he knows the game inside out. He's got good speed. So he'll be able to run and gun with the NBA style. And he'll be able to fit in. Like I said, may not be a starter initially, but he's somebody that because of his shot can definitely get in there. And I like in his game, maybe not the handles that Tyler Hero has, but definitely the shooting range. KT, a few more teams I'd like to highlight in this tournament. Big Blue of Michigan. Jawan Howard, first-year coach of Big Blue. They're a number one seed. Uh, they may have been a little disappointing in their conference tournament, uh, but they're right where they expected to be coming into the tournament in the Sweet 16. How far can Jawan Howard take, take this Michigan squad? 
Well, as far as the Big Ten's concerned, they're hoping a long way all the way to the end because when you bring nine teams into the NCAA tournament and you only have one left under the Sweet 16, it's rather embarrassing for 10. Illinois getting taken out by Iola, Chicago, a big surprise there. And then Iowa up against Oregon. Oregon getting a major break by not having to play VCU, who had the COVID-19 issues. So they had two days to prepare for Iowa, who they knew was going to be their opponent. So Michigan is carrying the weight of the Big Ten. And I really think even though Ohio State despises Michigan, they'd like to see Big Blue represent well. Juwan Howard's done an outstanding job. And when you look at them getting to the Sweet 16 and losing one of their main players, uh, their co-leading school, Isaiah Livers, it's a major accomplishment. Uh, Dickinson, the freshman, the big guy down low, gives you prowess down low, and he runs the court very well for a big guy. Uh, Bodner, Brooks, Mike Smith, an outstanding point guard, Sean D. Brown, they've got to knock down shots, and they've got to be careful getting in a hole like they did yesterday against LSU. They had enough prowess to be able to come back against LSU, but as you move forward, these other teams are going to make you pay and not let you come back from double digits down. I think they have a pretty good matchup, you know, uh, in their game. And I, and I really like this Michigan team. Uh, they're a team that, you know, Florida State doesn't shoot the ball well. So I think they have a great chance to beat Florida State. Florida State, though, does have length. And uh, Dickinson's going to have to do his job to make sure that the Seminoles don't have a lot of second shot opportunities. If they limit Florida State on the offensive glass, I think Michigan at least moves on to the Elite Eight. Uh, by taking out Florida State. And then, of course, they'll get the winner of Alabama and UCLA. In that game, I like Alabama to take out UCLA. There's just too many scores with Petty and Shackelford. Quinterly. They got Josh Primo back. And Herbert Jones really hasn't done much, but he's outstanding. So I love the job that Nate Oates has done. He gets it. Uh, this team is good enough. And I've got them going to the Final Four, Alabama, uh, from that Eastern bracket over Michigan. So I think Bama's got uh, probably the best chance now to knock out Gonzaga, uh, to take Gonzaga out of uh, the final four. And of course, or I should say out of the final game, uh, the teams that I think may have a chance to beat them in the West, the winner of USC, Oregon, of course, will have an opportunity, but let's not sell Creighton short. This is a Creighton team. That's got plenty of offensive prowess. Zegarowski's got to do his job. Uh, Gonzaga, when you're playing that team, you're going up against Suggs, one of the best guards in the country. Uh, no Kispert, one of the best forwards and shooters. And of course, the big guy, Timmy, that inside outside Kevin McHale moves and also can knock down the three. So Mark Few's got a squad, but yeah, you know, I, I think Creighton's got a, a fighter shot there, a puncher shot. And then I think the winner of USC, Oregon, also will have an opportunity to take out the Zags before they get to the Final Four. Uh, Baylor on the other side, going to be also tough to beat. Now that the uh, the two-seed Ohio State has been knocked out, Baylor looks like it should be able to get to the Final Four. And uh, then down the other end, we've got uh, – and, and not that Loyola, Chicago, or Oregon State wouldn't have an opportunity. And Villanova, if they had all their players, you know, missing Gillespie is a major loss for them. Um, and then the winner of – uh, Houston and Syracuse, that'll be interesting as well, uh, seeing who gets uh, to go up there and uh, take on uh, an opportunity to get a shot at Baylor. But Houston's still got a squad, but they're beat up a little bit. And, uh, you know, physically, Kelvin Sampson's done a nice job there. Uh, but I'm looking right now, Baylor, 
He's got a great opportunity as well. But I think Alabama has a great shot in the thing if they can keep playing the way that they're playing. KT, real quick about this Creighton squad. Head coach Greg McDermott, there was a lot of noise before the tournament about some stuff off the floor, some comments he made. That's kind of a big distraction for some college guys. To see them in the Sweet 16 is kind of a big deal. Talk about the job Greg McDermott has done navigating this small school mid-major all the way to the Sweet 16 with all that noise about his comments and his coaching before the tournament started. You know, and and I'll say this, all of us make mistakes, whether they're uh, something that blurts out. I mean, I, I, a lot of people don't talk about Mike Greenberg. And Mike Greenberg is a guy that has been excelling on ESPN the last several years. But he made a comment on Martin Luther King Jr. Day several years back that another uh, uh, broadcaster in a smaller market made the same faux pas and was fired from his job. ESPN elected to keep Greenberg because of the slip that he had and moved on from there. And nobody really talked about that, but it, it's something that I remember. And, you know, McDermott saying something on the, on the plantation thing, there was no ill intent meant. He realized what he had said afterwards, understanding that he had several African players on his squad realizing that oak plantation can go back to uh, cotton picking and African-Americans doing the jobs of slaves. And he realized, you know what? I screwed up. I did not mean to use that analogy. It was a poor choice. He, he quickly said, you know what? I'll step away, whatever you need. He offered his reg resignation at Creighton. He's done an incredible job. Let's remember, a lot of people thought he was a flash in his pan and that when his son Doug moved on to the NBA, that this Creighton team was going to fall on its face. They have not. And if it wasn't for Davion Mintz transferring to be a grad transfer over at Kentucky, I think this team is final four material. Mintz, Kentucky, and that team had no chance to get any type of chemistry with the COVID and all the young players. So Calipari has his worst year. Mintz, be careful what you choose for, because sometimes that's always greener on the other side. He's thinking, I got a chance to play for the Wildcats in Lexington. Instead, there's Creighton moving on. And it was the players themselves that came to their coach's aid saying, we don't feel there's a racist bone in this guy's body. We want him back. They went to the AD. The AD had suspended McDermott and brought him back only because there's voiced their opinion that they were good moving forward with uh, coach Greg McDermott as their head coach. Yes, they've uh, struggled a little bit in their opener, but they played a real nice game against Ohio. They made that game a blowout by the second half. And they do have an opportunity. They have players. Zegarowski is the real deal at point guard. He can shoot it. Mahoney, Jefferson, the center bishop, although he'll have his hands full with Timmy, is still a guy with enough athleticism that can maybe get Timmy in trouble. Uh, Mitch Ballack is a guy that's the X actor. This is a guard that has good handles, but hangs from 30 feet out. He needs to take more shots and up his game. If he ups his game, that will force Gonzaga out of a, not a sagging zone type defense because they play man, but they sag kind of in and they'll dare you to shoot three point shot against Creighton. They better be careful because Creighton shoots it pretty well as a team, uh, you know, better than 37% from behind the arc. They do struggle, however, from the charity stripe, only 65%. And that's not good when you're playing Gonzaga because you got to make all of your shots everywhere. 
including front ends of one and ones. A lot of people just look at foul shots. I look front ends of one and ones. If you miss six of those in a game, mm. that could cost you 12 points because you don't even get that second opportunity. But I think McDermott's done a great job, and his players love him. So this team's solid going forward. They're going to have their hands full with Gonzaga. We'll see if they can keep a game of it like Kruger did yesterday with Oklahoma, at least staying within shouting distance of the number one rated Zags. KT, one more matchup I want to highlight. A 12-8 matchup, the Ramblers of Loyola, Chicago. Man, there's something in the water. Sister Jean's still kicking, and this team has a real shot to go to the Elite Eight. Vegas in some places have them as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. This is going to be an interesting matchup of two lower seeds. Talk about this Rambler squad of Loyola, Chicago. How the hell are they here again with a chance to go to the lead eight? Well, they still have the same great coach in Porter Moser, and they also have the key cog, and that is the big guy, their center, Cameron Crutwig. Uh, This guy, he gets it, and he's a workhorse. He's a load. He looks rather unorthodox and rather clumsy when he gets the ball, He protects the ball when he puts it on the floor very well with his big body. So guys to defend him, they're either going to reach in and get called for a foul. If they try to block his shot, he protects it very well with the jump hook because he's not just a a tall guy. He's built like like a football player. You know, he's weighing in at 270. So although it takes him a little bit to get up and down the court, He's in a lot better shape than you would think by looking at him. When you look at him, he looks like somebody that's coming out of Heart Attack Grill downtown Vegas. But at the end of the day, this guy can flat out play. And I'm telling you, they've got confidence. They've got a point guard in Braden Norris uh, that only scores a little over eight points a game. But he shoots 40% from behind the arc, 83% behind the stripe. And somebody that really manages the game like another coach for Porter Moser on the court. Norris, Lucas Williamson, also very solid. Uh, You have Ugwak and Clemens, Kennedy, Hall. This team, the Ramblers, very, very solid. Seven deep. They can get eight deep, but uh, they're going to be a load. And Oregon State, again, Wayne Tinkle, as we say here in Vegas, he's playing with house money. And he still has Ethan Thompson, one of the best players in the country. And we saw Ethan Thompson get that ball and take it to Cade Cunningham of Oklahoma State. So Oklahoma State and Cade Cunningham, he may be the number one prospect to a lot of people, but I thought Ethan Thompson did a great job and took Cunningham to the rack a couple of times when Oregon State needed buckets down the stretch of that game to get the win in the battle of two OSU teams that both wear black and orange. And unbelievably that those two OSU teams were still alive when the other OSU team, the highest rated Ohio State, was already knocked out in that first round. So uh, lots of, lots of, but I think Oregon state and Loyola Chicago, just because they've been here and made a final four sister Jean and, and Porter Moser in the squad. Don't overlook this Oregon state team because they're coming out of the pac 12 and remember the run that they're on down 16 to UCLA second half pac 12 tournament, win that game, beat Oregon, then beat Colorado just to get to the big dance and then win their first games. This is an Oregon State team that's got a lot of chemistry. Now they're on a roll, and they've got a hell of a coach in Wayne Tinkle, who did a great job at Montana before going over to Corvallis. KT, one more uh, tournament question before we hit a little NFL free agency. I'm going to give you a bet. It's going to be Gonzaga versus the field. I'm going to give you the price of Gonzaga as a pick the field plus 175. Who you got? I'll take the field. I already am sweating out 
a, a, a prop that I won against. I won against Gonzaga and Baylor and Villanova, and I got a plus one third. Uh, Villanova, I knew, was in trouble once Gillespie went down. Now, they're still alive, but they match up against Baylor. They're playing, so that knocks one of them out. I'd rather Villanova beat Baylor, uh, and it couldn't happen. Even without Gillespie, they're good enough, and Jay Wright's a good enough coach that if Scott Drew's guys don't get off to a good start, Villanova's a very cerebral team, and they shoot it very well, the rest of the guys. So uh, they can definitely get a W. But Gonzaga against the field, as well as the Zags are playing, let's look at some of the hurdles. They have Creighton, winner of USC Oregon, and then, and then Alabama. And that's just to get to the final game. So if they get to the final game, they're going to match up more than likely against Baylor or, you know, a, another decent squad. But Baylor would be the team that they actually uh, go up against. Uh, Syracuse and Houston still dangerous coming out of there as well. Uh, I don't think Loyola or Oregon State will take out Baylor. But again, every game is every game. Let's remember NC State and Jim Valvano over Houston, Villanova over Georgetown in 85. I know I was alive and a lot of you folks listening weren't. But, hey, miracles happen. March Madness, there's a reason they call it March Madness, and it's not just for the first four days of the tournament. It's because upsets happen regularity-wise. It doesn't matter what round. And just when you think you have things figured out and you're like, I'm not going to watch that game. I already know who's going to win. That's the game, an upset, and you're not paying attention. You better wake up and smell the coffee. KT, let's hit some NFL free agency. And, Spencer the Wiz, I want you to jump on here. And KT, I want you to hear Spencer the Wiz. He's a diehard Raider fan. I want I want him to give his thoughts first on the Raiders' job in free agency and the job of May, Mike Mayock. And then, Ken, I want you to jump on after that, and I want you to counter Spencer the Wiz's uh, argument for what the Raiders have done in this 2021 offseason. Spence, the floor is yours. The Raiders' offseason, what have they done in your eyes thus far? Well, uh, Yannick Ndokwe is the best defensive player the Raiders have had since Khalil Mack, but even Yannick is about half as good as Khalil Mack will ever be uh, in his entire career. But still, it's a decent signing. They didn't get him for too expensive, so I gave myself a little bit of hope. Uh, and then it just fell all apart. They lost three starting offensive linemen. Nick Martin's okay. He replaced Rodney Hudson, but we all know Nick Martin isn't probably half as good as Rodney Hudson. Gabe Jackson has had injury problems as well as Trent did. Uh, but Denzel Good is probably just going to be gone next year. They've signed him to be the starter. And what did they do with the rest of their free agency money? Well, they ended up signing <laughs> a Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake is okay. He's not the worst running back in the world. But unfortunately, they already have two good running backs. And now that they're, I think, not even cap compliant, they've gotten significantly worse over the offseason. Cleo Mack was defensive player of the year. And then uh, they were still the worst defense in the league. And they've been that since, or probably bottom five in all statistical categories since then. This is a disaster. I think the Raiders are probably going to win half the amount of games they did the year later. I don't know how you think about that, Ken, but uh, I think it's the disaster. I think Mike Mayock is probably the worst GM in the NFL, if not one of the worst. Uh, and I don't see anything getting good for the Raiders anytime soon. Wow. Okay. So I, I'll totally agree with you. I mean, not totally. I told, I, I mean, I get it. When you lose a mainstay to Rodney Hudson, that's one of the best centers in the game. You know, that was a surprise. I mean, that came out of nowhere. Uh, the Khalil Mack trade to me didn't come out of nowhere. Khalil Mack's agent hardballed the Raiders. And basically you were going to pay Derek Carr and Khalil Mack and have 60% 
of your salary cap for another 51 players. You just can't do that in this time. And and and, and realistically, I think if if uh, Khalil Mack had been able to communicate with his agent and with Coach Bruton, if if he had been involved in those talks, that he would maybe still be a Raider because they could have worked it out. They could have restructured something. But his agent said, look, you want to be the number one defensive player, you know, and we see what Aaron Donald got. We're going to we're going to make you that number one guy. And the Raiders never wanted to part with Khalil Mack. But when they got hardballed and they understood that it's they, they're going to keep Derek Carr. OK, so they're going to keep Carr in the offense. Gruden wanted to be there, so they had to pay him. Then if you go out and you pay, you know, Khalil Mack what he wants, again, you're shot with the other 51 players. And they didn't win. They had Carr and Mack, and as great as Khalil Mack's numbers were, they didn't win with both those guys. They had the one good season uh, when when uh, Carr got that that was pretty good. But realistically, the Raiders, they, they haven't been postseason material for a long time. We all know that. Now, I thought they made some great strides with Mayock coming over as far as frequency and as far as the drafts, the first couple of drafts, I thought they did a pretty good job there. But guys, uh, Littleton, he, he sucked last year. He was he was really solid with the Rams covering out of the backfield. We didn't see that same guy. Uh, you know, there's there's several other guys that you're counting on uh, in Farrell and other guys to get pressure on the quarterback. They haven't done their job. Max Crosby's got a motor that doesn't quit. He'll get some sacks, but sometimes he's out of position. Uh, as far as on the defense, too, you look at Marcus Joyner, didn't do his job. You had guys that they didn't even want, like Eric Harris, that really stepped up. They've got some youngsters in Mullen, I believe, is going to be good. Arnett is rough. He's going to be good. Abram has to realize, hey, every play isn't the last play. So pace yourself. You don't have to, you know, put yourself, you know, to where you're going to either risk injury or to where you're going to get a targeting call on almost every play. That's the way he's played since he's at Mississippi state. When you look at the offense, here's the thing, what I'm thinking is the Raiders are going to try and uh, be a little more deceptive and they're going to take some pressure off Josh Jacobs. So there'll be some other moves in the backfield, whether they keep Richard and I don't think uh, Booker will be there, but because of the signing of Drake, but Drake was solid for his first uh, go round with Arizona. And he showed you know, some signs of being pretty decent with Miami and Jacobs got banged up last year. That's He went over 1,000 yards, but they were predictable as far as giving the ball to Jacobs. What I love today was that Marcus Mariota worked out a deal to stay on this squad for $3.5 million. So he's taking a major pay because he sees an opportunity. And the Raiders, to me, have the best one-two tandem at quarterback than any other team Maybe Buffalo is there with the signing of Trubisky to back Josh Allen. That's pretty good when you have Trubisky as a backup. But when you look what Mario did in three quarters of action against the Chargers to where three times he went to hand off to Jacobs, and I thought he did hand off, and he kept that ball. He rushed nine times for 88 yards. He threw for over 220 in three quarters of action. And I think Mariota is a starter in this league. Now, if Derek Carr doesn't produce – or even with having Mariota and Carr, we know Carr throws the ball a little bit better than But when you roll out to your right and nobody's on you and you pop your groin, I'm concerned if you're my number one quarterback with no one even touching you and you getting hurt. Now, one thing Derek Carr has done in the past, he does better than anybody, and that's get better. Whenever he's gotten hurt, there's nobody that has worked harder to get back on the field as quickly as Derek Carr. We saw that. And so he made himself available for the Miami game. But I thought this is where Gruden and May blew it. 
I say, you're going to make the playoffs. You've got an opportunity. If you win your last two games, maybe other teams fall on their face. Maybe you get an outside shot to make that seventh spot. But let's see what Marcus Mariota has based on the three quarters we saw against the Chargers. Let's have him go against Miami. Yeah, they had a chance to win the game, and the defense screwed it up at the end. What you're doing for two, that's why Gunther's no longer there. There's no excuse for that. And then the, uh, the, the face mask penalty on Arden Key to boot, you know, gave Miami the shot they needed to win that. But why wasn't Marcus Mariota starting that game? In that game, Derek Carr, zero of 10 on third downs against Miami. So while they had a small lead, they may have had a double-digit lead with Mariota at quarterback. I'm convinced when he lost his job to Tannehill in Tennessee, he thought he'd get back on the field. He didn't, was a free agent, knew his uh, pecking order, signing with the Raiders. But when he got his opportunity, his first pass pinned to Aguilar, his third pass a touchdown faller. He had beautiful passes and great run pass option fakes that the Raiders don't get from Carr. So now that you have them both signed, you use them both. You don't just use a Taysom Hill style thing inside the five yard line. You get Mariota in there when Derek Carr is struggling or when you have a run pass option setup or a team that struggles against that type of look, you get Henry Ruggs to run in motion, not three times a game, 15 or 20 times a game. You see what Shanahan does up there with Debo Samuel at San Francisco. I want to see that. I want to see that from, from John Brown, who was a great signing. You didn't want to pay $26 million to Aguilar, even though he had a year. You get John Brown for $3.5 million. That's not a bad deal. You have Renfro. You have Waller, one of the best tight ends in football. You've got enough weapons on offense, and Drake will take pressure off Jacobs. And you know what? You may see two guys lined up in the backfield, something you don't see much, and maybe even three. You might even see Alec Gold up there, and they may go eye formation. I think Gruden's going to try some things that you haven't seen in a long time with the $182 million salary cap. Things have changed this year. You don't see the cap dropping, except for this year's on COVID. So I'm where you're coming from. Denzel Good, he fit in every single place they put him. He played three different positions on the offensive line last year, and he was admirable in all three. And then they go back to sign incognito. He's the only third my offensive line because the last four years he stayed healthy he's an all pro that guy's a stud and he doesn't give up anything you're right the center spot going to be tough to replace Rodney Hudson but at the end of the day I think there's a lot of stuff on, and we'll have to wait and see before you ship Mayock down the uh, uh down the river there well uh, I agree with you first of all with the quarterback position I think they should trade Derek Carr not that I think well I don't think he's a very good quarterback but he's a top 15 quarterbacks, top half, no doubt. I'm not going to take it that far. Um, but uh, sorry about that. We're fixing a little graphics here. But no, at the end of the day, you know, Marcus Mariota can also score about 30 points. And John Gruden is just that good as an offensive coordinator to make that happen. But if you look at the roster from last year to this year, and last year's roster was not very good. Cleveland Farrell and Jonathan Abrams, I, I'm sorry. They are not going to be on NFL rosters in about two to three years. Jonathan Abrams much sooner than Cleveland Farrell. Because Cleveland Farrell is good for one to two good games a season and whatever that's worth. I don't think he should be on the Raiders. I don't think they should have ever drafted him in the first place. When when you had last year where DeMon Arnett wasn't supposed to be taken in the first round and you take him in this very important spot where there's much better talent, when you take Henry Ruggs over two receivers who he's worse than, and it's unfair of the Raiders to say, because now Henry Ruggs is wide receiver one for the Raiders. 
And that makes no sense because he was never supposed to be a wide receiver one. He wasn't even in college. So to expect him to have an injury-ridden rookie season to suddenly go and be the number one guy, that's make Mike Mayock at his worst. And if it means that Mike Mayock has to go with John Gruden, both of them need to be fired because I'm sick of every single year of watching Mike Mayock overdraft guys. He's done that for the past three years. Just because he drafted uh, Max Crosby and Hunter Henry – or not Hunter Henry um, – I can't think of the kid's name now. Hunter Renfro doesn't mean he's the best GM of all time. And that's what's given him a pass. If he hadn't taken those two guys, we'd be ridiculing him and like be on the streets begging for his firing. But that's the only thing he's holding on to. You can't last forever. Every single free agent he, he's brought in has been terrible. And it's just, I don't know. They're going to be, four, they're going to have four wins next year. And finally there might start to be some changes. I'm just not sure what those will be. That's how I feel. <clears throat> okay. So first off, Every free agent. I thought Nick Kwiatkowski was outstanding. I mean, he got banged at the end, but I over. He's got a motor that doesn't quit. He's an outstanding linebacker coming over from the Bears. Thought that was a really solid pickup. Uh, you know, some of the other guys didn't pan out, but they grabbed Solomon Thomas for a year. I this guy coming off the knee injury. He says he feels a hundred percent. This guy's a beast. Niners didn't want to lose him. He just chose to sign with the Raiders. So there's some. I understand there's some downside to to some of the signings. But when you looked at seeing it on paper, because that's all you've had, and the COVID-19 has really stopped a lot of teams from, you know, having that normal training camp to where you can get that cohesiveness and that chemistry going before the season gets going. I think the Raiders are going to be okay. They're going to focus on the defense. And Gakwe, if he ever comes back to, you know, three-quarters of the guy that he was before getting injured, I think, yeah, he could be a guy really helps elevate play. Cleveland Farrell knows he's on a short lease. Yeah, you're right. I agree with you. He's had two or three good games as a Raider, and that's too inconsistent to be a number four overall pick. No question about it, Spence. I agree with you there. But there's some other players that need to step up. Murph uh, has done a nice job. Uh, you know, so they have some players. And, and again, you're looking at a secondary. Uh, you've got uh, Robertson, the youngster out of Louisiana Tech, now going into second year. I'm telling you, Arnett will be better. He he is a a guy that got a lot of uh, pressure when he was at Ohio State because the other guy that went to Detroit was the guy that nobody wanted to throw against. So, you know, there's definitely, uh, you, you know, two sides of the coin. I say give them this year. Uh, really, give, give them this year. If they fall on their face and they don't make the postseason, because I still think the roster is good enough to make the postseason, Henry Ruggs III's got to stay healthy. There's no question. And you think Jerry Judy's better than him? Or, or the kid that Dallas grabbed better than him. I don't know. They don't have the speed. The Raiders always are enamored with speed. And you need somebody like a Tyree Kill type speed guy that can stretch the field. Jerry Judy can't do that. CeeDee Lamb can't do that. But Henry Ruggs III can do that with his speed. He's probably the only guy in the league that may be able to beat Tyree Kill in a, in a foot race. Spencer the Wiz, is, is, uh, he's losing his mind over there. He, he despises uh, Henry Ruggs' pick over these guys and, and where Mayock is at. Guys, keep this in mind when you talk about Yannick Ndokwe. Uh, when he had his best year with Jacksonville, who was on that coaching staff? Gus Bradley, who is now the defensive coordinator right. of the Raiders. That could be really big when you talk about his progression moving uh, from the Ravens to now the Raiders' defense. And plus, like you mentioned, KT, we're going to have a full offseason season hopefully uh, with this COVID-19 stuff a little bit in the rearview mirror. KT, I know you bleed silver and black right now, but you still have some great loyalty to the Indianapolis Colts. And I love the acquisition of Carson Wentz. I think it's the perfect storm with head coach Frank Wright 
and the weapons that he has around him with that Indianapolis offense. I predicted on the rest stop a few weeks ago, and I'm going to stand by it. I think without a shadow of a doubt, barring health, that the, the Indianapolis Colts will be playing in the AFC championship game, whether it's against the Chiefs, the Ravens, or whoever. I love the move the Colts made. Tell me what your thoughts are, KT, on the Colts acquisition of Carson Wentz. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, I, I, I guess, is there any update on T.Y. Hilton? Uh, I, I think the Colts need him or, or a receiver like him. And let's remember, you lose one of the best left tackles in the league uh, in Costanzo. So, you know, I, although the Colts offensive line has been, you know, a foundation for that offense and protected Phillip Rivers very nicely, uh, I do think a pickup of Carson Wentz is solid. And not just because of his uh, connection there with Frank Reich, but I think Wentz just needed a change of scenery. Uh, he had a good, solid season, but then it's Nick Foles that steps in and wins the Super Bowl. Had Wentz won that Super Bowl and played in that game, Philly would have kept him. There's no question. And I think Jalen Hurts could be a, a good starter in this league. I think he's got enough there that he could be a starter in this league. So Philly will move on. But I do agree with you. I think the Colts have enough weapons. Uh, they have enough offense. Uh, they do need somebody like T.Y. Hilton, though. They have an excellent backfield, a very low backfield, uh, not just Jonathan Taylor, but guys like Niam Hines and uh, guys that can get out there and catch the flare passes. So, uh, you know, I, I, I like this team, and I don't think there's going to be as much pressure on Wentz as there was uh, both media-wise in Philadelphia and, you know, coming after your quarterback because, like you say, that offensive line, even with a Costanzo, is a lot better than Phillies was. Phillies was one where you never knew who was going to be healthy enough to play that next game. So I think it's a good move, and I think the Colts definitely will be one of the top four teams in the AFC going forward. Wrapping it up with Ken Thompson. Follow him on Twitter, at KenThompson87. You can see right under there. KT, as we wrap it up with you, give us one underdog in the Sweet 16 that you really like to advance. Oh, boy. Uh, well, you're going to get them playing head-to-head in Loyola, Chicago, and Oregon State. So we'll go there. I, I got to say Oral Roberts. I think Oral Roberts is good enough to beat Arkansas. I, I really do. And I like Musselman. Musselman's a hell of a coach. But Arkansas makes mistakes. And if they don't shoot it uh, real well, they're, they're going to find themselves in a, in a nip-and-tuck game. This Oral Roberts team, they have enough players. And they're not afraid of anybody. And they've got shooters. And they've got a point guard, like I said, that has unlimited range. From behind the arc that it's on if ain't this is on you're in a lot of trouble i think you'll find out the first five minutes of that game whether or not arkansas is in for one uh they have the capability as they showed to come back from a deficit but oral roberts showed the same thing so you better be able to play 40 minutes if you're musclemans uh he you know and of course he got the text and the the tweet from nolan richardson who used to do 40 minutes of hell down there in fayetteville and that was the last time they won uh, a game and got to that sweet 16 so, you know, Musselman's doing a hell of a job there. Nevada, he's an outstanding college coach. But I think Oral Roberts and Paul Mills, their squad good enough to move on to the Elite Eight. And we'll find out what Loyola and Oregon State. Uh, Loyola, of course, has the experience with Crutwig, the big guy, and uh, Porter Moser, their coach, from getting to the Final Four a couple of years ago. Which one of those teams will take on Baylor unless somehow Jay Wright for Villanova can pull off the stunner and knock off the Bears? Ken Thompson, he's the host of SportsX Radio. You can catch that Monday through Friday, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Pacific time on AM 720 KDWN and locally in Las Vegas. You can download any of the apps, sportsxradio.com, and stream that live if you can't listen to it locally in Las Vegas. KT, you've also been fire with your basketball picks during the college tournament. Tell the listeners of the rest stop 
where they can get your NCAA picks. I believe you've hit 20 out of the last 27. You're one of the best handicappers in college hoops in the entire country. Tell them where they can find your picks for uh, the college basketball rest of the tourney. Yeah, well, you're only as good as uh, your last set of picks. And I lost yesterday, lost both my games. So 20 and nine now in the last 29. So got to uh, call it the way it is and was never really in one of those games as, as I really thought that, uh, uh, you know, some of these teams would play better than they did yesterday. But uh, Colorado let me down big time and, and, and when we're really never in the game. And then I had Aline Christian plus the point. I had them straight up against Texas on the money line and got fortunate there. But sometimes they say, don't go to the well once too often. Against the number.com, uh, I've been there for a while. This was a site that sportsbook director uh, Chris Andrews at the South Point started before he got back into the industry. He couldn't stay with it. It was a conflict of interest. Uh, so we ended up uh, purchasing it, me and a couple of buddies, and we're trying to get it going. It's a great name, against the number.com, and very, very inexpensive. And so you've got my plays. I'll have those Sweet 16 plays up there by tomorrow, by Wednesday, and uh, we'll roll on through. But uh, Brad Power, I, I was going to say Brad Powers, Brad Restituto, I am so proud of you, man, just uh, having your own show. It's a beautiful setup. Uh, Spencer, I know his, his – I could just tell his loyalty being a Raider <laughs> fan that he's just sick of – he's sick of losing. And so I get it understand you want to put people on a short leash but it'll be fun to check in with spencer i also do a raider review and preview with the violator captain jack rackham and raider homer we do that on news on fan media network and maybe we'll have to bring spencer on there sometimes so he can uh let out there for his raider nation fans yeah kt and uh i don't know if you know this but i i'm so sick of losing i have uh publicly denounced my loyalship to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, they are dead to me now. I am now a Buffalo Bills fan. I am on the Sean McDermott and Josh Allen train. So I got the last seat on the bandwagon, and hopefully uh, they'll be one of those teams that lost four Super Bowls to turn it around. But I still love Mike Zimmer, done with the Vikings. KT, you can also check out his show if you're here locally in Las Vegas every Wednesday live from Steiner's Pub. 1750 North Buffalo Avenue. Come down, check out KT. He'll tell you all about the lamb chops. Get yourself a good meal and check out Sports Radio, Sports X Radio live on Wednesdays in Las Vegas. KT, I appreciate a little bit of time here on the rest stop. I look forward to catching up with you again soon, my friend. You got it, my brother. I appreciate the opportunity and the purple that's on this rest stop uh, little logo here lets me know that you haven't completely run away from you. And as soon as Kirk Cousins jocks your ass this year, you'll be like right back on that bandwagon. All right. That's yet to be determined. There it is. Ken Thompson joining us. KT, you have a great <laughs> night, my man. <laughs> that was a great chat with Ken Thompson. If you missed any part of that little conversation, college hoops, little Raiders, NFL, make sure you download any of the podcasting platforms, Audio Boom, Spotify, Google Podcasts, look for Landry Football Conference Call. The rest stop will be underneath there. Like and subscribe. You can check that out on your way home from work, on your way to work, going to bed at any time. And also we'll post a replay of tonight's podcast on my YouTube channel, Brad the Believer. So uh, make sure you support that and subscribe there. We got a really good show for you coming up on Thursday. We're going to hit some NBA. We're going to hit some NFL free agency. We got the draft coming up, of course, Sweet 16 basketball and some news and pop culture is uh, this the city of Miami and the state of Florida was in the news 
over the last couple of days. But we'll finish off tonight's show with some NBA. Bring on Spencer the Wiz here. Spence, uh, if you've got some highlights ready, we'll review some of uh, tonight's action. Not a huge card in the NBA, but uh, some teams really surprising with their records, uh, staying healthy. The Phoenix Suns, one of the top teams in the Western Conference, got a win tonight. And we'll go over some of those other scores. So if you want to start it off, Spence, I'll follow your lead. Yeah, not a lot of close games in the association tonight. Everyone but one favorite covered their spreads. And, of course, that was the one favorite that I took, which was the Portland Trailblazers, who I'm disgusted with. But we'll start in New York. Uh, A big win over Washington here today. And Julius Randle is so hot from downtown. Take a look. With themselves, they have to come to the arena in separate cars. They can't have dinner or lunch or breakfast as Randle knocks down the three. So they're... Yeah, he's uh, shooting... Uh, I, like over 40% this season. It's a career high without a doubt. Uh, but we know Tom Thibodeau gets it done with defense. And you look at the sequence of plays, they are playing on all cylinders without rookie Obi Toppin, of course, who can't find the court. Beal on the screen. Good double team. No Clyde, the Knicks is Burks. Nice save by Burks. And R.J. Barrett picks it up. Barrett kicks it out. Bullock, corner three. It's good. Credit Alec Burks with the great hustle. And the Knicks get a fast break opportunity. Yeah, uh, R.J. Barrett, man, definitely working his way up towards most improved player of the year, in my opinion. But if you saw in that highlight, uh, Mitchell Robinson's actually back. So we'll show that and have a quick discussion about the uh, New York Knicks tonight. Uh, He's thinking what you were thinking, Clyde, about those big leads that can go away. Oh, Mitchell Robinson! But yeah, Mitchell Robinson back in the Knicks are just all the way back. What do you think about this team? They won... 131, 113 behind Julius Randle's 37.6 rebound, two assist performance. Yeah, Spence, I got to give Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks all kinds of credit. This team has been in the draft lottery expecting the top pick, top three pick for a handful of years now. And for them to be right around 500 with a roster of a bunch of guys that the casual NBA fan would not be familiar with is quite impressive. Julius Randle, uh, a well-deserved all-star appearance this year. I'm very happy to see that as I've been a a huge fan of his for quite some time. And I think Thibodeau's got this culture and has this team chemistry in the right direction. When you play for each other and you play with effort, you're always going to have a chance to be competitive in the NBA. All these guys are talented. It's just a matter of kind of having that uh, top-level confidence and then playing together. And they they play hard every single night, and it's got them right around 500. And they'll have a a great opportunity to be in the mix for a playoff berth. And and we know, especially in this – pandemic shortened season anything's possible look look at the lakers situation right now if that happens to a team in the eastern conference come playoff time and the knicks are at full strength it's really anybody's matchup from that point forward absolutely uh so we'll try to go a little quickly here we probably go a little over today we're just going to go over some nba highlights uh the denver nuggets it was a little close in the third quarter but uh, jamal murray got things started we all know that he's able to make some really tough shots it gets to Barton somehow. Murray. And he's got it. Boom. He started things off there. And I think in the second quarter, Composo had a nice no-look pass as they started to separate uh, from them in the second quarter. Your teammate would serve and hit you in the back of the head when you're standing at the net. <laughs> what the, what is going on out there? Jamal Murray with the throwdown and the Denver Nuggets. Production. Yeah, it is. Jamal Murray, how about that cut right to the rim and beats his man to the basket, throws it down for the Nuggets. They're up big in Orlando. 
Spence, real quick, talk about this Compazzo guy. Uh, he was not – I don't believe he was on the roster of the of the Nuggets last year. And if he was, he didn't play. Didn't see him at the beginning of this year. He seemed to have come out of nowhere and now a big contributor for the Nuggets. What do you know about this guy? And how did he find his way into the lineup, getting some important minutes for the Denver Nuggets, a playoff team that represented the Western Conference and the Western Conference Finals last year against the Lakers? I think he might be a rookie. I want to say he is, although he's just, as the season progressed, he's one of their big utility guys, kind of a Manu Ginobili type of player for them, kind of gets it all done, finds a way to do it off the bench. And uh, yeah, I mean, clearly he's getting a little comfortable. I think he got a lot of bad rep for that really awful end to that one game where he was kind of throwing the game-winning shot, and it was a big discussion amongst basketball heads about how the game is going bad but no he's uh you know he's kind of sliding in finding his position in the team and you know sticking to his role which is very important doesn't play outside of his means and clearly helping them win some basketball games as they've been significantly better after the first quarter of the season they were they were outside of the playoff race spence four more games in the association tonight let's run them down real fast yeah, uh, we don't have to go over all the highlights here, but uh, the Phoenix Suns kind of they didn't blow out the Miami Heat, but they were in control since the first half. They won 110-100 behind eight and 17 points, 16 rebounds, and three blocks. Uh, the Golden State Warriors game, that just wrapped up. They were going to be without Steph Curry for at least another week. It saw reports. 76ers win 108-98 behind Tobias Harris's 25-point, 13-rebound performance. Uh, and I think, uh, yeah, the Pelicans dominated the Lakers, of course, without Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit on Thursday. Kyle Kuzma only had 16 points, but Zion Williamson, I think, shot 9 of 13, 27 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. And uh, last, the ticket killer for me, Portland Trailblazers lose to the Brooklyn Nets without Kyrie, without KD. James Harden had 25 points, 17 assists, and 7 rebounds. Absolutely amazing. And, uh, yeah, that's what happened in the association tonight. Spence, uh, I told you leaving the bubble last year that the Phoenix Suns were going to be a, a force this year in the NBA. And so far, staying healthy, they are playing great, and they're going to be a top seed, one of the top seeds in the Western Conference. Yeah, Chris Paul obviously just completely changed the dynamic of their team. Devin Booker was taught how to win basketball games, and he's leading this team. But Chris Paul, we know, is the one guy who – they without Chris Paul, you could even – Switch him out with, uh, I can't think of the kid's name now, who's really good for the Indiana Pacers, their point guard. I think if you switch those two players out, they would not be anywhere near the second seed. That's how influential I think Chris Paul is in the NBA. I don't know. Is it Malcolm Brogdon that you're thinking Malcolm of? Malcolm Brogdon, that's who I'm thinking of. Absolutely. Uh, if you were to put Malcolm Brogdon instead of Chris Paul on this team, they might be in the playoffs, but nowhere near the top of the West. I'm curious where Chris Paul's leadership leads them come playoff time. So it'll be fun to watch down the stretch in this NBA season. Well, it's going to wrap up tonight's show. We're going to have a great one for you on Thursday. So make sure you tune in live every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 o'clock Pacific time. And uh, for Spencer the Wiz, at Spencer the Wiz, I'm Brad Restituto. Follow me on Twitter at Brad the Believer. Have a great night, everyone. We'll see you back here on Thursday. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. 
Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.